In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. This is the sixth Sunday after the Holy Resurrection, after which the church celebrates the Holy 50 Days. Uh, Many of the readings during the Holy 50 Days, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, uh, lead us into anticipation of the two of the seven uh, calendar feasts that we have in our church. So we have seven major feasts, and two of them uh, are um, during, we remember during these Holy 50 Days, and we anticipate them. One we just celebrated on Thursday, which was the Ascension, and then the next one we'll celebrate, God willing, on Sunday, which is the Feast of the Pentecost. Uh, Today's gospel reading is no different, and it focuses on the anticipation of the Pentecost and the remembrance of the promise that Christ made with regard to the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And this is, of course, what we say is the start uh, of the church. The the start of the church is when the uh, Holy Spirit descended upon the Holy Apostles on the Feast of the Pentecost, and that is like the birthday of the church. And so God willing, we'll celebrate that next week. In the same... um, in the, in the time preceding the ascension that we just celebrated on Thursday, Christ gave them every assurance by being with them for 40 days uh, and gave them every peace and every assurance uh, following the dramatic crucifixion and established firmly inside of their hearts every assurance of the resurrection that by many infallible proofs. He also did a few things during this 40 days. He opened to them the meaning of scripture as it related to himself. He brought to their remembrance the things he did during the three-year ministry, all the miracles he did, all the preaching he did. He taught them some of the elements of church tradition, like the sacraments and the liturgy, and he gave them priestly authority. He also finally gave them the great command or the great commission, which is to, of course, go and preach to uh, every nation in the world. He also instilled within them the courage and hope in the anticipation of him ascending to heaven. Um, a heart that is that is full of courage, he instilled within the apostles, and the apostles, of course, in turn, instilled within the church, and then we also have that same spirit today. Because a heart that is not troubled and is full of courage, courage and fearless is consistent with the spirit of what Christianity is about. Every um, spirit of courage and spirit of uh, fearlessness, that is what Christians are called to have. In Romans 8, uh, it says, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And in Second Timothy, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength. Of whom shall I be afraid? We're called, all of us, to have courage and never to be troubled. Like we've spoken about in the last few weeks, we have no fear in one's life. And and because we have no fear, this is one of the most liberating feelings you'll ever feel. Uh, the, the day you feel within your heart that you fear nothing is the day you feel free and the day you feel liberated. Therefore, the readings during this time before the ascension include the words like, Let not your heart be troubled. It is to your advantage that I go away. Peace to you. Your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. I go and prepare a place for you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And many other such verses like this. Since we've been visibly present with them during these 40 days after the resurrection, he was weaning them off, uh, Christ was weaning them off during these 40 days uh, prior to the ascension with the anticipation of the Holy Spirit with the kingdom to come. 
So kind of like a mother weans his child or her, her child off of milk to give them solid food and slowly weans them off of the milk. Likewise, Christ was weaning uh, him, the, the apostles off of, not himself, of course, because uh, there's never a time when we don't need him. Uh, he was, um, uh, and of course, he's with us even unto the end of the age. He was transitioning them, though, from the earthly to the heavenly. So he there they were seeing him visibly with their own sensual eyes. They were touching him with his with their sensual hands. Um, but he was trying to uplift them even more than this. This was one of the reasons why he had to come in, in the flesh in the first place, to accomplish our salvation. I love this quote by St. Athanasius. He says, He deals with them as a good teacher with his pupils, coming down to their level and using simple means. Men had turned from the contemplation of God above and were looking for him in the opposite direction, down among created things and things of the senses. So he came down to our senses. But he doesn't want us to remain there. He wants to lift us, up, lift us up to spiritual, to a spiritual heavenly place. His miracles and teachings, of course, uh, turned our focus from the earthly to the heavenly. That transition that he caused in the apostles, we should also live uh, and have that transition be active in, uh, in our lives every day. Because when Christ was in the flesh, he took the problems people had that were visible and he offered things incomparably better. Uh, he was refreshing to those who encountered him. He took ignorance of scripture and gave them revelation. He saw the storms and uh, he gave us calm. He took our infirmities and gave healing. He took our despair and gave hope and every assurance. He took our carnality and gave us spirituality. He took our hate and gave us love and sacrifice. He took death, of course, and gave us life. And as we spoke about last week, our Lord is now preparing for them a deeper relationship with God, a place in heaven where our hearts and minds should be. Here, prior to the ascension, he does the same thing in today's reading. He promised the Holy Spirit to the apostles. It was as if he was saying, like St. Augustine interprets, I myself was your comfort through my bodily presence with you, shown to your human senses, and which as infants, as if the apostles were infants, you were able to comprehend. But now he knew a much more beneficial thing for us. He gave us a much more beneficial thing. He's giving us the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to not just rely on our senses, but to be even inside of each one of us so that we don't have to look far from God. It is a much stronger reassurance because he infused in the hearts of the believers the whole, his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit's inside of us. We don't have to, even with our eyes closed, even if our hands were chopped off, we'd still be able to feel the Lord because we know that He's inside of us. And as the Holy Spirit dwells inside the believers through the Pentecost and with the holy apostles and disciples, He dwells, of course, with us as well. Um, back in the day, the holy apostles and disciples would transmit the Holy Spirit after they received it in Pentecost. They would lay the, their hands on the believers. But of course, as the believers became many, many millions and so on, and of course, as the apostles began to be martyred, each one of them, uh, later those numbers became too, too large and the apostles were decreasing, the number, their numbers were decreasing. So they instituted the uh, sacrament of the Holy Myrun oil. And so that's what we receive, right, when, after baptism, and that's what allows us to receive the Holy Spirit. And this is alluded to in uh, the first ch uh, chapter of um, James. He says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. 
You know all things. It's amazing that they say that because when the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we know the things that truly matter. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in our life to reach that ultimate goal and to walk that narrow gate that Christ commanded us. He sanctifies us. He reprimands us when we stumble. He comforts us when we're needing it. He intercedes for us and consecrates and devotes us and works wonders in our midst. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. So as there were a greater challenge that the apostles would face, now there's a greater consolation. So now before he sends them out into the world, he gives them a greater consolation than even him being with him, with them for 40 days. The Holy Spirit being even inside of them, not just something that they would see and touch, but even inside of them. So in, in the trials we face, we have that same consolation. We have the same comfort. So as we've said previously, we don't look for God uh, in in far places. We look for Him even in ourselves. When we're baptized and anointed with the Holy Chrismation Myrun oil, we look for Him within ourselves. We don't have to look far. And this is why in today's reading Christ says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That's a very bold statement, right? That ask whatever you want and you will receive it. That's a very bold statement. I mean, do we truly believe that? Since we have the Holy Spirit of Christ inside of us, who proceeds from the Father, we ask anything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and we will receive it. But there's a few conditions, right? There's some constraints that we have to work within that when we ask for, when we make petitions and ask the Lord requesting things, that we have to work within those parameters. One of them, of course, as we hear today, that the petitions need to be in the name of Jesus Christ. All things proceed through Jesus Christ our Lord, from the Father, and in the Holy Spirit. There's no exception. And therefore, it's only through the name of Christ that our petitions are granted. Our requests are granted from the Father through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But simply attaching the name of our Lord Jesus Christ is not sufficient. They need to be consistent with Him. For example, we can't ask for evil things that fulfill our carnal desires. Okay, that's pretty obvious sometimes. We can't ask for revenge on people that have hurt us and expect that God will hear us, right? Lord, send down lightning and thunder on this person who backstabbed me. Will that be heard? Of course not. We can't ask for things or hope to ex expect from heaven things that are contrary to our salvation or things that are contrary to the salvation of others. God, of course, will not grant those things. So there, there's that one parameter. A second parameter that we talk about, that our petitions need to be with faith. We have to be believing. The la as last Sunday reading said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Do you believe that there's a supreme God who created the universe? That's great. But also believe in his wisdom as he always proceeded from him, even from eternity and onto eternity and is equal with God the Father in divinity. That's the Son of God. We have to believe in him. Believe that by all his, by his all-powerful Son of God, which is the divine wisdom, God created the universe that is therein. We have to believe that his wisdom, he created, by his wisdom, he created humanity. And but we also believe that by his wisdom, who is the Son of God, he humbled himself and took flesh from St. Mary to recreate and to unite with our fallen humanity, to unite with his divinity and lifting our humanity back to the way it was. And he, as it were, recreated it. So that same word of God that created humanity in the first place 
recreated it into what it was when we, he first created us in his image. And because his wisdom lives forever, because that is the renewed, and because his wisdom uh, lives forever and he unites it with our fallen humanity, we believe that Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead during this time that we celebrate during the Holy 50 Days. We believe in the ascension into the heavens and for Christ, who is the wisdom of God the Father, he did this all for us and we believe these things. And this is what we believe and this is a firm faith that causes a fearless life, causes a life to be free from fear, a heart free from trouble no matter what the circumstances. It also grants us our petitions. As it says in James chapter 1, if, you lack, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all, to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So we have to believe when we make our request known to God. Thirdly, our requests need to be with patience and a little bit of flexibility. When we have our petitions, we often pretend to know in detail what the problem is, what the solution is, and when that solution be filled. And we've said this before during many talks in the past. Our requests often come with a deadline to God. However, Christ our Lord is beyond time and His understanding is without, you know, it's beyond search, it's not searchable. Our particular situation sometimes is beyond our own comprehension. We have to trust that all of our prayers are heard and how they are answered may not be how we expect it to be answered. And it definitely may not be in the time of our choosing. All of our prayer is effective. It's very effective. The prayer of, of a Christian who is baptized and anointed, as long as they have faith, is very effective and is always heard and is always answered. But when it's answered, and how it's answered may not be as we expect it to be because of our limited understanding of the situation. We know many examples of this. St. Paul, for example, prayed and asked that God would heal the wound on his side. And Christ refused to do that. And he told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, fit for St. Paul to have that wound be healed. Him who healed you know, St. Paul, through his prayers, healed many people and even rose somebody from the dead. At one point, Christ says to the apostles, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. So there's a thing that, there's things that God wants to reveal to us, and he will in due time. But sometimes our understanding is not just quite there yet. We're not spiritually mature, or maybe cognitively we're not mature enough yet. But one day he wants to reveal these things to us, and he will. Many times, uh, as us older people know, we've asked for uh, things from God, and we know that He doesn't answer it right away, and we got frustrated. But many years later, we look back and we know that God did indeed answer it, uh, even years later, and we know that uh, He answered our prayers. In the last verse of today's reading, it goes on to say, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Very victorious uh, words that he says here. He says these words that we should commit them to memory. I have overcome the world. There are two points we, that we get from this. First, 
that there will be tribulations. In the world, you will have tribulations. There will be challenges. There will be problems that we face, things that will uh, you know, push us to the, the limit of our strength. Um, and, and that should not be a surprise. As St. Paul says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And in um, 1 Peter, St. Peter says, Resist him, resist the devil, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In the world, there will be tribulations. And we remember what Pope Shenouda said, right? That God is present, all things are temporary, and everything works out for the good. That in any trial or problem we're facing, it's temporary, and its story is not the end, right? We have to endure whatever um, the life throws at us. Because he who tells us to be of good cheer, for he has overcome the world, those words apply to us as well. Why does, this, why does his overcoming the world have to do with us? Because we are, and, and he tells us to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. Why should we be cheerful that the Lord Jesus Christ overcame the world? Because that victory that he has is for us as well. As St. Augustine says, he had not overcome the world were it still to overcome its, his members. We are his members of his body. So he has not overcome the world if we have not overcome the world. But because we have overcome the world, that's why he says, I have overcome the world. We are, we are his body. We are the members of his body. His victory in overcoming the world is our victory, for he continues to overcome in each one of us. As St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So when we live actively in the church, which is his body, partaking in the sacraments of the Eucharist and participating in building up the church in active participation, we are active members of his body, which is the church. And because we're members of his body, we share in his victory. If we're part of his body, then we share in it. If we are victorious in Christ, we, are, we will be because of his power. And his victory is ours. That's why he tells us to be of good cheer. Be joyful because he's overcome the world. In the world you will have tribulations. For there's no victory where there's no challenge in the first place. We have to have challenge so that there is victory. So long as we abide in God's love, there is victory. And we can end today's talk from Saint, uh, with a little bit more from St. Paul in Romans chapter 8. Who, of course, we know St. Paul suffered more than the, all the apostles. But he speaks about the victory of Christ. He says in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God grant us to share in these victories and his good and joyful cheer through the prayer of his holy name, for he has promised us victory in all tribulations, to whom be glory forever. Amen.